Okay, so we were talking about, uh, I was talking about how Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And, um, you know, I, I notice that, you know, through the, through the Bible, when you read the word of God, you know, it just seems like, I mean, it, it's so true that, I mean, he doesn't waste words. I mean, when he says something, you know, it kind of reminds me of the story of the lady that was known for making these just incredibly long phone calls. I mean, every time she made a call, it was at least an hour. And, uh, you know, one day her husband noticed that she'd made about a half-hour phone call and said, uh, well, what was wrong? I noticed the call was short today. And she says, oh, it was the wrong number. Uh, it's like, you know, but God doesn't waste words. You know, I mean, when he says something, it's, it's really, really, really important. Uh, this morning, as we, we talk about the house cleaning choice, uh, um, the, the first part of the, that is about getting rid of guilt. And I just want to share with you from, um, from Psalm 51. This is uh, David's prayer to God uh, after uh, he has the affair with Bathsheba and then has her husband uh, murdered or killed. And then he lies about it and tries to cover it up. And the guilt just got to be so heavy on him that this is, listen to his prayer. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You can just see, and I mean, this, this just radiates the guilt that he's feeling. It's heavy upon him. He says, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. It's like I can't get rid of it. It's like the video. I'm carrying this baggage around. I can't get rid of this. He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in, my, in, in, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold... You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. Remember, hyssop is what the children of Israel used to dip into the blood to put on the doorposts during the Passover as they were leaving Egypt. He says, wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. It's just like, you know, when we sin against God and we're carrying around this guilt, we lose our joy and we lose our, our gladness. That the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities. Now listen to this. And this is important to all of us because, you know, David recognized that when he sinned against God, that his heart had turned away from God. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's what sin does. I mean, it's just like our hearts begin, begin to get hard and we put God on the back burner. We're not interested in God anymore. Uh, we don't sense the presence of his Holy Spirit anymore. He says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I will teach transgressors. When, when I'm healed, when I, you know, when I unload all of this baggage, when my guilt and my shame are gone, then he says, I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt 
And there's that word that we're going to be talking about today. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And so, uh, again, Psalm 51, after David has this, uh, um, the sin with Bathsheba, the adultery with her, and killing her husband. You know, it's just, it's a burden more than he could bear. But I would just tell you that, you know, the Bible says that any of our sin, well, while we may think that, you know, adultery and, and murder at, are at the top of the list, you know, the Bible says that liars and deceivers will not enter the kingdom of God. Uh, idolaters and, you know, those that are covetous, those that, you know, just, you know, are after greed. And so, Today, as we, we look at the Word of God, I want us to, just each of us to, to and this is called, this uh, fourth point is called the, uh, the house cleaning choice. We've already done, and by the way, if you missed any of the series, um, you can go online and you can find this, the entire series online. But the first, uh, the first uh, point that we dealt with was the reality choice. The second was the hope choice that... You know, the, the, the reality choice is that we are sinners and that we're broken, that none of us are perfect and God can fix us. The hope choice is that our hope is in God who will, will forgive our sins. The commitment choice is that we make a commitment to, uh, to God and to his word. And today we're talking about the house cleaning choice. And it's when we just take, you know, it's like you hear about, you know, people doing spring cleaning. You know, it's gonna, I'm getting rid of stuff in my house that I don't need, stuff that I've had forever. And, you know, the house cleaning choice is we take a spiritual inventory of, you know, what have we been carrying around? You know, what, what sins that we just have found ourselves comfortable with? We've, we've become comfortable with our sin. And so it does, it's not a conviction in our heart anymore. The Holy Spirit uh, tries, but our heart has grown hardened in that area. And we just think that, oh, I'm okay. And when we start comparing ourselves with other people, that's one of the things that we say. You know, maybe you have a drinking problem or a pornography problem or, you know, some problem in some other area. But we say, well, at least I'm not, uh, you know, a murderer. You know, I mean, we put that right at the top of the list. But God wants to deal with this because we're broken people and he wants us to be whole so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. And so this point, the house cleaning choice comes from happier those that are whose hearts are pure from Matthew 5, 8, for they shall see God. And so uh, we, we talk about getting rid of our guilt. How do we get rid of it? Uh, as I mentioned, we take a moral or a spiritual inventory. David said this in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart and test my thoughts and point out anything that you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. I believe that if you'll Pray that prayer, that if you, that's, you can just mark that as a note in your Bible or you can get the sermon notes off of the, uh, off of the Internet tomorrow. Psalm 139, 23. He says that point out anything that you may find in me that makes you sad and then lead me along the path of the everlasting life. And so as we ask God to search us and, and we're really honest about that question, the Holy Spirit will begin to point out. Yes, you know that uh, you know that you're you know you have a temper problem, you have a anger problem, you have a rage problem, you have an unforgiveness problem or a bitterness problem. That you're you're still holding grudges against something that somebody said to you, a former boss or relationship or you know maybe an employee. 
you know, you, you hold on to things like that. And, uh, you know, I notice that when we do that, the first place that it begins, it, it's like, you know, when we, when we hold unforgiveness or bitterness against someone, you know, you can start to feel it. You can start to feel this in your stomach. And, you know, it's like a poison that, that you know, enters into our body. And you've got to let it go. That's, you know, that was the bottom line in that uh, video. Let it go. Um, the second point is that we take uh, responsibility for our fault. Now, in the very beginning, we see this in, in Genesis. From the very beginning in Genesis, the Lord asked, have you eaten? He's asked Adam and Eve after they sinned. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, notice this, and women are always great to point this out. And, and the man replied, well, it wasn't my fault. It was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman that you gave me. She gave me the fruit and made me eat it. No, it doesn't say that, but he says that I ate it. You know, so we're, you know, typically when we, we sin, we always want to, well, it was like with the way I was raised or, you know, with somebody, it's always somebody else's fault. Now, notice the difference between that, and we'll get into this next story a little bit more as we move into the sermon. But notice the difference between Adam's response and after David sinned, and that psalm that we just read was him confessing his sin. Nathan the prophet came to him, and Nathan tells this incredible story, beautiful story about two men. One of them was very rich and had a lot of sheep and was very wealthy. But the other one was a poor man, and he had only one little lamb. And he said the little lamb was like a daughter to him and to his family. It ate at their table. Uh, so the rich man had someone coming to visit him. And um, instead of taking a sheep from his own flock, he goes over to his neighbor's house, steals that little lamb that they love so much, kills it, and offers it as food to his friend that came in. And so Nathan tells David the story and David just becomes furious inside. He said, well, I find that man, tell me who that man is, because that man is going to die. And then Nathan responds, you're the man. You're the man. I've given you everything that you wanted. I've given you, you know, wealth, and I've given you possessions. I made you a king. You had wives, and you had concubines, and I've given you all of these women. But you took Uriah's life, or you took Uriah's wife, and then you took his life. And, uh, you know, and so, and then David, after he hears that, after Nathan says, you're the man, David confessed to Nathan. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't try to blame it on, well, she was down there bathing and she wasn't, you know, dressed and how else would you bathe anyway? And, um, but then it says that David confessed to Nathan. He says, I've sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. And he says, I've sinned and I should die or I'm going to die. And David, or Nathan replies to him, yes, you've sinned. You're, you're right, you've sinned. But the Lord has forgiven you. And that's really the difference between them. It's really the difference between David and Saul, the first king of Israel. When Saul sinned, he blamed it on the people. When David sinned, it was like, you know, it's, it was my fault and my fault only. So he owned up. And so that's what we have to do, accept responsibility, you know, for our, our faults or for our sins. The third point is that we need to ask God for forgiveness. I mean, right away. Notice what Isaiah says. This is the heart of God. And you, gotta, you, gotta get, you just gotta, you gotta feel and sense the heart of God because God knows who we are. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we're, you know, what we're made of. We know, he knows that our flesh is weak. Um, and he knows that everyone in this room, 
has faults and everyone in this room has sin that we're dealing with. But the heart of God is this. He says, come, let's talk this over. And what he wants to talk over is your sin and your relationship to him. And he says, uh, let's talk this over. No matter how deep the stain of your sin, no matter how bad you've been, no matter you know, how many times you've sinned against God, he says, I can take it out and make you clean as freshly fallen snow. And that is the heart of God. I want to take away your sins. And that's what happened on the day that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. God took the sins of the world. He took all the sins of yesterday, all the sins of today, all the sins of tomorrow, and he placed them on his sinless son, Jesus, uh, so that we could have eternal life. And that's, that's something to praise God for. Amen? Amen. And then the, the fourth point here that I want to talk about is just, you know, simply admitting your sin or talking about your sin to somebody else. So we have a tendency, we want to put on our church face, how's things going, how's, how's everything going? Oh, it's fine, life is good, life is great, my relationship with God is good, you know. Uh, but he says, admit your faults or confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And, um, you know, notice what he says. We don't, we don't confess our faults to one another uh, so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Because only God can forgive us of our sins. But he says, admit your faults or confess your faults one to another, one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's just getting it out. It's like when we try to suppress it and try to hide it, it's like, you know, it's just we can't get rid of it. But if I, if I come to you and say, look, you know, and you go to someone that you can trust, and, you know, someone, you know, just an accountability partner, and you go to them and just say, look, man, I've been struggling. I'm struggling with lust today, or I'm struggling with uh, drinking, or, I've, you know, you know I've, I've fallen off the wagon. Or, you know, whatever it may be, whatever's going on. You know, I've got, you know, somebody says this about me and I just can't, for, I can't, I can't get out of my, my mind. I just, you know, can't forgive them for what they've done or how they've treated me. And so, and then, you know, you have a time of prayer together. And then somehow God just shows up. It just begins to break that, that yoke, that old heavy yoke off of you. The fifth point is that I accept God's forgiveness. You know, a lot of times that we can hear that God forgives, forgives us. We know what the word says, but we have a problem forgiving ourselves. We keep going back, and it's just like digging trash out of the garbage. Um, you know, the, the scripture says uh, that this is from Micah, chapter 7. And Micah says, there is no other God like you. Oh, Lord, you forgive the sins of your people who have survived. You do not stay angry forever, but you take pleasure in showing us your constant love. Notice that. That God takes pleasure in showing you his constant love. And you will be merciful to us once again. And you will trample our sins underfoot and send them to the bottom of the sea. Now if God takes the sins that you've confessed and sends them to the bottom of the sea, don't go diving down into the sea and trying to retrieve them. I mean, it's like, you know, God's forgiven them. So leave them there. Leave them buried. Leave them there. Stop digging them up and rehearsing them and thinking about it again. I mean, when God says that he forgives, he forgives. Um, and not only does God forgive, uh, and we'll, we'll listen to this, Romans 8, 1. So, so if God forgives you, and, and you're st still thinking about it, listen to what Romans 1 says. There is no condemnation. Quit condemning yourself. 
If if you've asked God for forgiveness of your sins, stop condemning yourself. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And so he's saying that I've forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. Let it go. Let it go. And then the fifth point is the transformation uh, uh, choice. And that comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. This is the fifth point in the life's healing choices. We're doing two today. Happy are those that long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed or don't conform yourself to the standards of this world. But let God transform you inwardly by, complete, by a complete change of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. You may, you know, you know your friends may be say, saying everybody else is doing it. You know, you go to a party, you know, take a hit, take a drink. Everybody else is doing it. You know, don't be such a uh, holier than thou. And so there are ways that, that God deals with this. Uh, when he wants to transform us, when he wants to change us, you know, he changes us one problem at a time. It's not like, you know, just like instantly, you know, you're done. And some of you, when you came to Christ, I mean, there were a lot of things that disappeared out of your life. The moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the moment that you were born again, the moment that the the Holy Spirit came into your life, I mean, you were freed from things instantly, things that you thought you could never be freed from. But just like the children of Israel going into the uh, promised land, The Bible says that God did not drive out all of the enemies at once. There are a lot of them that were driven out. There were ten nations that were overcome. I mean, it was just like nation after nation after nation began to fall. But not all of them were driven out. And the Bible says that the children of Israel became comfortable with their enemies that were living there with them. Sin is the same way. When I speak about enemies, sin is an enemy to you. And so uh, the Bible says that They didn't drive them out. And God told them, he says, if you don't drive them all out, he says, they will become thorns in your side. What he was saying is, they're going to come back. They're going to rise up. They're going to grow. They're going to multiply. And they're going to come, and and you're going to have a problem with them if you don't deal with it. The same is true with sin in our life, that we have to deal with it. And the way that we deal with it is that we don't work hard on it. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder to be a better person. The way that we deal with it is, God, you got to help me. This thing is bigger than I am, and I need your help, Lord. I mean, this lust is bigger than I am. This alcohol is bigger than I am. The drugs are bigger than I am. I have a craving for them. I have a longing for them. God breaks sin's power in my life, and he'll do it. I'm telling you, God will do it if you ask him to. And so we, we focus on, on one problem at a time. Not, not, you're not trying to fix everything at once. And Proverbs 17 says, A discerning person or a wise man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the end of the earth. It's just like he's just like looking all over the place. A wise man uh, keeps wisdom in view. Lord, what is your word said about this? One thing. What is your word said about lust? What is your word said about drinking? What is your word said about, and you just fill in the blank. And deal with it. And just don't pretend that it's, it, it doesn't exist or it's not there. Or that it's just going to go away by itself. God says to the children of Israel, you need to deal with the enemies in your land. And he tells us the same thing. We need to deal with the enemies that, that 
that have taken control and power over us. Uh, focus on victory one day at a time. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble. So when you're dealing with these issues in your life, just one at a time. I mean, don't, you know, don't look to the end. Just, just live one day at a time and deal with the problems one day at a, at a time. The third point is focus on God's power, but not, and, but not willpower. I mean, you know, willpower is like want power. It, you know, it just doesn't seem to work. We need God's power in our life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. We tried to fix our lives until the time that we came to Christ. We thought we could fix it ourselves. We thought we didn't need God. You know, you know, God was just for those that were weak. God was a crutch for those that were weak. We don't need God. We can take care of the problem ourselves. And 20 years later, we find out that we still had the same problem and we couldn't take care of the problem ourselves. And we need God. We need God's Holy Spirit in our life to deal, to break the power of sin. Remember what the Word of God says. For this reason, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. He's still doing that. In each of our lives today, he is still destroying the work that Satan is trying to do in your life. And when you come to him with a problem, you say, Lord, I've got a lying tongue or I've got a wandering eye. I'm asking you to help me. He comes in and destroys the work of the devil where the devil is working in your life. And for that, he is worthy, 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 worthy of our praise. Now listen to this. You know, when you think that you can do it, this is what the Word of God says. He, he, he already knows that you thought that you could do it. But he said in Jeremiah chapter 13, he says, Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard change or take away his spots? Neither can you start doing good because you've always done evil. And that's why we need him. We can't just be good on our own. You know, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to help us to do good things. The scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything. Every, there's nothing I can't do but through, through, but through Christ who gives me the strength. Remember in John chapter 14 where Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He talks about him being the vine and we are the branches. And he goes on to say that we can't produce fruit by ourselves. We need to abide in him, and then we will produce fruit. And then we, don't want to, we want to focus on good things, not on the bad things. If you just, you know, if I tell you to, you know, to not think about panda bears right now, I mean, every one of you are seeing a black and white bear, right? You know, so when we think about the sin in our life, just thinking about it doesn't make it go away. He says to fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true? The Word of God, right? What is true? What's honorable? What's right? What's pure? What's lovely? What's admirable? Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is what you need to focus on, focusing on the Word of God. And then focusing on doing good, not just feeling good. You know, um, it's easier to act your way out of a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Did you hear that? It's easier to act your way out of a feeling than to feel your way into an action. And what I mean by that, it's like you, when you feel like, if you tell the Lord, oh, well, when I feel like praying, I'm going to pray. Well, you know what? The devil's going to make sure you never feel like praying. There's always going to be something there. You don't wait till you feel like it. You know, there has to be some self-discipline in our life. God, I am going to, you, you know, when I feel like reading the Word of God, that I'm going to read it. Well, I'll tell you what, 
you know, the enemy will make sure that you never feel like reading the Word of God. So a disciplined life. Paul says that, you know, I beat myself. I beat myself. I keep myself under control. I don't give in to the desires of my flesh. And so if you will, you know, make it a habit to read your Bible every day and to seek God's face every day. And if you wake up in the morning every day and it's like, Lord, you know, I bless you. I praise you. I want to be your servant today. What is it that you want me to do today? I'm yours. I know that I've got a job to go to. I know that there are things that I've got to do. But along the way, God, there's going to be someone that I'm going to pass that needs a word of hope or a word of help or a word of encouragement. They're going to need a word of life and use me. You know, like we talked about last week, Isaiah saying, here I am, send me, I'm available. I love this, you know, when the, we talk about, you know, action comes first and then the joy or the gladness comes. And so when Jesus sends out the 70 in Luke chapter 10, he says, I want you to go out. I want you to go out two by two. I want you to, you know, heal the sick, cast out demons. I want you to be a blessing, you know, speak peace to the houses that you enter into. And so they do all of that. They come back. It says, and when the 70 re uh, return, they joyfully, man, they had joy in their hearts. They had gladness in their hearts. They were pumped. They were excited. Man, God, you send us out. Jesus, you send us out. And we're so excited about what happened on this trip. Even the demons were subject to us through your name. And so, you know, th there's nothing like, you know, you responding. God speaking to you and saying, I want you to do this or you know, you, you hear that still small voice, you know, in your life, and you do it, and then it's just like, oh, man, Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. It brings joy. Remember in the psalm that we read where David said, don't take, you know, away the joy of my salvation? And let me just say that if you've lost the joy of your salvation, it's the greatest thing that we can ever have. The joy of our salvation, the greatest thing that we can ever possess is salvation. And if you've lost the joy of that, if this world has somehow dampened that, if life has put a, like a wet blanket on the joy of your salvation, just ask the Lord to restore it. He will. He will. He's just, just like Isaiah said. Hey, he says, you know, he says, hey, I'm, I'm here. Come. Let's talk. Let's reason together. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Where did you lose the joy of your salvation? Well, I lost it right back there when my boss fired me. And I'm mad at him, and I'm still mad at him. I lost it when my 401K, you know, plunged. And I'm upset about that. I've lost the joy of my salvation because things become more important in our life than God does. And when things become more important in your life than God does, then we'll lose the joy of our salvation. But God wants to restore. He is a restorer. He loves to restore. I mean, you, I mean, you read the book of Job. Read the book of Job. Seven times. He restored Job seven times, you know, what he lost. He wants to do that to you as well. Anybody in for restoration? Amen. This next point, and I just have two more. Um, focus on people who can help me and not hinder me. Well, what's that mean? That means that, well, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought to. It says, uh, don't be fools. This is another translation. Bad friends 
will ruin good habits. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Come back to the right way of thinking, your right way of thinking, and stop sinning. So what he's saying, in a paraphrase, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bee. You know, and if you don't want to get drunk, don't go into the bar to eat the peanuts, okay? I mean, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to have a few peanuts because they're free. And by the way, let me have beer to go with those. All right. So the Bible says that two people are better than one. This is that accountability thing because they get more done by working together. If one falls down, the other can help him up. But if it's, if it's bad for a person who is alone to fall because there's no one there to help. Ecclesiastes 4.9. He says, and Proverbs 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so friends sharpen friend. And, you know, there's, there was some talk this morning here about the men's group on, on Wednesday morning, 6, six, six o'clock on Wednesday morning. And, and that's where iron is sharpening iron. you got a group of guys there that love God and want to plunge into the Word of God. And, and they want to encourage one another. They want to sharpen one another. You know, I tell you what, if you ever come in there and you're dull, you'll go out sharp. I mean, it's iron does sharpen iron. And the final point here is that focus on progress and not, perf not perfection. You know, that um, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I am sure, I am sure, I'm confident, that's Paul saying, I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will keep right on helping you grow in grace until his task within you is finally finished. He's saying that, you know, you're not perfect now, but you're getting better day by day. You know, the, the Bible says that day by day, you know, our, our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is, is, is bringing glory to God. That, you know, God's glory is welling up inside us, and he's changing us day by day. He wants to change you day by day, day by day, little by little. He wants to change you. I want to just tell you that, you know, that when God gives you a promise, and he does, you know, I, I know that some of you may think that it's strange that God speaks, but God does speak. Sometimes, you know, he speaks through a preacher. Sometimes you might hear a message on a radio. Sometimes you might hear a friend or somebody speak to you. I'm, sometimes it can even come through an unbeliever. Someone may say to you, you know, something that really resonates within your spirit. And you think, God, man, I, you know, you're right. That is right. I mean, I have a spiritual witness to that. And so when God gives you a promise, you hang on to it. You cling to that with dear life. That's why it's so important, folks, for us to know the Word of God. It's so important for you to know the Word of God. Because how can you reach in and grab a promise if you don't know what the promises are? You know, you know what the prosperity promises are. You know what the health promises are. You know what the forgiveness promises are. When I need one, when I'm feeling bad, when I need something, I'm reaching into God's Word and pulling out something, and I'm just holding it up for God, uh, for, before God. He says, remind me, put me in remembrance of my Word. Why, did he forget it? No, he didn't forget it. It's not for him, it's for you. It's God, you know, you, you said that you would help me overcome. You said that there's no sin that, that can control me or possess me or make me a slave, that you are greater than any sin that I have in my life, and you can break sin's power. When you know these scriptures, you know, the, the Psalm, I think it's uh, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
who forgives all of my sins and who heals all of my diseases. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I can just, I mean, I, it's just, I'm standing right there with David when he was saying that. I'm, right, I'm on the mountain right next to him. He's got his hands just lifted high. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I mean, he, you know, that's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to bless him and praise him. And there's not a problem in your life that he won't overcome. And some of you just need, you know, you're stuck. You're stuck in a spot. And, you know, and you remember the story in, it's in Exodus. And God's got the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they're in the promised land. And for 40 years, they're walking around a mountain. They're walking around the, for 40 years. It's like, man, spot looks familiar. Yeah, we were just here last week. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. See, some of you are doing it again. You're, you, you've been walking in the same spot for 40 years. And you know what God one day says to Moses? You know what he says to him? Enough! That's it. No more. We're done walking around the mountain. We're going into the promised land. And I want to tell you that God's saying that to some of you here today. Enough. Enough of being in that same spot. It's time to go a different direction. Stand up and I'm going to pray with you. I want our prayer ministers, if you would please just come up and just kind of line the front. If you guys need prayer for any reason, uh, I'm going to pray over you and release you. But, you know, if you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. If you need prayer, I encourage you, please, 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 don't leave this place. There's nothing more important than you getting the prayer that you need before you leave this place today. Father, like David said, with his hands lifted up, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, I pray that you would stir up a spirit of praise among your people, that we would not be ashamed. As Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Can you say it? Say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's try it one more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you guys.